I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, uh, you know, you could be looking for good news and bad news this weekend. I mean, I guess the uh, the good news is the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has adjourned the Senate and their arguments until Monday at 1 p.m. Uh, I guess his his the legal team Trump's legal team flamed out in three hours. I didn't really manage how uh, the the Democrats come up clip after clip, line after line, testimony stacked upon testimony. And, you know, three days straight of, you know, 21 hours total, almost like a filibuster. And the only one calling for breaks, by the way, Mitch McConnell. Oh, we're going to take a break about uh, six, six, about six, about 6 p.m. for a dinner for about a half an hour. Uh, Yep. And um, and then him eating lettuce very. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> I wish you could see it. You have to go to infotainmentwars.com um, to see that. But uh, then they get up they're, they're They've been at it all morning since uh, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern this morning. And uh, they're already done. <laughs> they've adjourned wow. until Monday, uh, 1 p.m. That's uh, they got all they got all argued out. <laughs> um, that was that was I, I'm I'm kind of amazed. Like I did expect. I thought they were going to take advantage of the fact that it was the weekend. I think a lot of people thought this, um, that they were going to take advantage of the fact that, you know, people would tune in maybe more and watch some of it on the weekend because they weren't at work. Right. You know, in theory. Yeah. And uh, nope. No. No, they just basically came on, had a mini version of Fox and Friends and left. (laughs) You know, essentially like. Nuh-uh is effectively the ar- the argument. You know, they'll um, th- the weirdest part I think for me, and and I don't know if you saw much of it this morning, but I watched a good portion of it. Good morning, TLK Knitting, and everybody on on the Twitch stream as well. Hey, everybody on YouTube, good to see you in the Facebook crowd and all the Periscope folks. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight is our number. Thank you, Billy, for the super chat. Uh, feel free to call in, you guys, uh, if you guys were watching this morning or if you watched over the last couple of days. Um, obviously I think for a lot of people, um, Adam Schiff's closing statement was kind of the historical beat that will be remembered through this. I honestly, it's very curious to me when people, and this is, this is somebody who is on streaming his thoughts about politics on the internet every Saturday that, uh, the idea that these Republicans seem to think that their arguments are like toilet paper and they will just vanish I don't, and that what they are being said is now in the congressional record forever. And they and their family will be remembered by the words they say in this situation. And the kind of like low rent sort of, I guess they're hoping for this dystopian nightmare that, you know, Ah, nobody's going to remember this stuff. The world's going to burn up. Yeah, they got to <laughs> like, be begging for that grid to collapse. Yeah, no wonder they want to fight climate change. It's the only way they can expunge their idiotic arguments from the congressional record. Like they're praying for the seas to rise and swamp the servers <laughs> that hold the um, the record of what they've been doing. Um, you just made me snuff bubble. 
<laughs> All right. Well, my job is done here. I will ride off into this sunset. Um, but the, you know, the essential argument, and I, I tweeted this out a minute ago about kind of where they were headed with this was the idea that, um, and the White House was putting out these like banner shots on the Twitter feed, um, making their argument, but they were, um, the, the main six arguments that they put forward with the transcript um, exonerates the president because at no time did he state specifically a quid pro quo in there. It, you know, never mind the fact that it wasn't a transcript. It was a memorandum. There was ellipses where things were redacted. Vinman testified that there were words removed. And secondly, he was not the point man on putting the pressure on. He was just there to remind them. He didn't have to do all the like, look, buddy, if you don't give me what I want, I get uh, this is going to happen to you because he had Rudy and Lev and Igor skulking around Ukraine telling them that. That's the whole point. And I mean, I, this oversimplified idea that somehow nobody all of a sudden can wrap their head around what a RICO case is. Or how in the world you you have an, an organized crime situation of any sort, like the, this idea that like literally the only way it's a bank robbery is if you walk into the bank and go, this is a bank robbery. Right. If you walk in in ski masks with guns going, I'd like to make a withdrawal. <laughs> um, from a friend's account. Um, I don't know. You say that common sense is gone. Yeah, right. I mean, it is that part is so fundamentally ridiculous. But the first point they made was no, you know, it's not the transcript. Therefore, it never happened. Secondly, and my response, and I think a lot of people's responses, there is absolute. It was not a transcript. It was a memorandum. It says so. It was not a verbatim transcript. The actual transcript, uh, so far as we have heard, is actually the word for word verbatim transcript is on the nice server. Uh, it's, you know, which is much friendlier than the rude server, I suppose. Um, and will not be released by the white house. Um, so when he keeps screaming, read the transcript, um, love to love to read the transcript instead of this ridiculous memorandum you put out that even while you attempted to exonerate yourself, Mr. President, you ultimately, uh, still got yourself in trouble by putting in the, I'm going to need you to do us a favor though. Um, us is him, you know, obviously talking about himself and his campaign and using the United States as cover this. I, like, I don't get this whole nonsense that if he doesn't spell it out specifically, there was no crime, but that's the argument first was, uh, you know, it's in the transcript. So response, it wasn't a transcript. It was a memorandum. It's not verbatim. It says so at the bottom of the first page. If you actually read it and you get to the bottom of the first page, it says not a transcript. This is a memorandum. <laughs> so number two, he said the Ukrainians said that they felt no pressure at that basic hostage taking meeting where he's like, you didn't feel pressure, did you? Like you're like he's going to go. Actually, I did, Mr. President. I think what you did was ridiculous and we're still feeling pressure and we still haven't gotten the meeting you know, where we we're supposed to get a, like, what's he going to say? He's a hostage at that point. Ukraine is desperately in need of this aid. They haven't been sold the Javelin missiles yet. And th they literally were under so much pressure at that point politically by not being supported by the president and uh, the administration that they gave up um, 
they gave ground in negotiations with Russia over the, the disputed territories, allowing people who are pro-Russian to vote that way to possibly annex more land. And that never would have happened had the aid come as soon as the DOD said it was cool to go like it normally does. Never would have happened. And this uh, and on a side note, the one thing that they kept, they played a couple of clips and they were like, well, the the Ukrainians didn't even know there was a hold until August. The Ukrainians knew the money hadn't arrived. They didn't know why it hadn't arrived. They were just going, hey, when's it coming? And they were getting a story for a while like, hey, you play ball, you're going to get your money. You play ball, you're going to get your money. And then they see a Politico story that the president actually put a hold on it. It's not coming. And that's when the phone started ringing. Thank you, JG, um, uh, for the super chat. I appreciate that. Um, the, that you know, they obviously got nervous when they saw the Politico story and went, oh, this is, this is real. He's materially stopping this. It was one thing that he was, they were probably under the impression that it was being slow walked and they were planning on this meeting. Then this Politico story comes out and goes, uh, yeah, it's not coming. So everybody starts, the phone starts ringing off the hook and, uh, and uh, Volker and all these guys are getting phone calls. They're like, I didn't get a phone call until August 24th. You got a phone call because at that point, it wasn't just President Rudy running his little dudes around. It was official. The hold on the money was official once they saw it in the news. And, they, and the Ukrainians clearly panicked about this. So this idea that, well, they didn't even know, it was how could they be pressured if they didn't know there was a hold? Uh, They've been manipulated for months being told, you better let us let my guy in there to look around, help us with these investigations, announce these investigations. If you d- announce this, we'll get a date. They, they had uh, um, Sip, uh, Sips Baloney come out <laughs> and um, uh, who basically is somewhere between Bueller Bueller and uh, and the guy in L.A. Story who opens the museum that, that Steve Mar- the private museum and Dave thought the way I did and oh, so we had a it was just it's painful. Um, uh, Cipollone makes this case that um, the that they didn't even know that there was uh, the you know that the the pressure wasn't uh, on well I, let me stay on this these six and then we'll get into more of this I have no doubt um, okay. so the Ukrainians uh, they said they didn't know till August they knew the money wasn't coming the entire time they saw the Politico story and they went oh my god he put a, a governmental hold on this this isn't just oh we're dealing with a corrupt leader the thumb is on the scale we're in trouble and you guys said the money was coming you said the money wasn't predicated on on us given this announcement or this investigation, the White House meeting was why not the aid. Then you find out, you know, that Sondland's and everybody's saying, no, I was under the impression and everybody was under the impression that the money wasn't coming either. And it wasn't. And they found out that was true from the Politico story. So then, um, oh, we got to take a break. Uh, there's three more points. I'll talk to those about those as soon as we come back. It's the House Parks Radio right, program. I think up. <laughs> Mega Worldwide on WCPD, uh, uh, CPT 8, WCPT820.com <laughs> is the website. And go to sexyliberal.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's a missed opportunity for a sponsor, I think. <laughs> um, but go to uh, sexyliberal.com and sign up for the uh, podcast version of the show, as well as some 
Sexy liberal dates are being added. Dun, dun, dun. Very exciting. It's actually happening. I can't believe it. It's as if my plan is coming to fruition. Um, we'll be back right after this. Picture your face in the mirror. You see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or large under eye bags? Well, imagine they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minute. It's, it's the edge you're looking for. Simply put, you'll be blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself out at work or with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody knows you're using it, unless of course you tell them, which is sort of bragging. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code SEXYLIBERAL at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com. Welcome back to the show. So we're going to get to the Trump tapes in a minute. The recording of him talking to Lev Parnas, receiving counsel from Lev Parnas and uh, and acting upon Lev Parnas's uh, interpretation of events in Ukraine. You know, the guy he's never met. He doesn't really know him. And he's just mm-hmm. a groupie who shows up and stuff. Yeah. Um, what were you saying? But uh, Johnny, we're saying Jay something. Just is, he's Trump's personal lawyer. And uh, there's a screen grab. Actually, it's it's not as funny because it's from MSNBC, but it's <laughs> said he led Trump's defense during the Mueller probe. Uh, he's host of a radio and TV talk show, and he plays drums and guitar with the Jay Seculo band. <laughs> that I got to see. I mean, what, what are we going with? Uh, um, kind of a John Cougar Mellencamp kind of a, a feel, is it Americana. Americana. He just—it's yeah. a lot of Lee Greenwood covers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what what technically is canon as far as Republican band members. What you're allowed to do? You're like, can you do a new acoustic? Is that a that's that's got to be allowed? I'm gonna um, retweet this with HSRPM. Okay, um, yeah, that is the hashtag, folks. HSRPM. Uh, if you want to join the conversation on on Twitter, um, so. Uh, we were at not a transcript. Um, uh, hostages don't tend to push back. Ukrainians not knew, a transcript. knew the entire time. It's not a transcript. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. There you go. We're good. Um, the Ukrainians knew by July, but they freaked out at the end of uh, August when they saw the Politico story. And then they said uh, none of the uh, uh, Democratic witnesses said that the Aid was contingent on um, on them, the investigations and the announcement stuff. Nearly, well, all the witnesses practically said that, except the ones that the Republicans called, of course. All the Dem witnesses said that, said it specifically, repeatedly. Sondland literally was like, yeah, there was a quid pro quo. That was it. Um, the other one was... Uh, the fifth one was uh, Trump was, uh, let's see. Oh, they got the money and they got a meeting with uh, Mike Pence. 
And Trump would have had the meeting, but there was a hurricane. Longest hurricane in history because he still hasn't had the meeting. Um, and there it has been no White House working meeting. The um, uh, uh, her, uh, Sergey Lavrov has been to the White House since, for the record. Hmm. And he goes, Trump was uh, Trump. They Trump sent the money. Okay. Insofar as I know, and I'm curious if anybody else has heard about this, but there was a lot of talk about how Bolton actually released the money. Um, you know, I don't know. Like there was. Um, yeah, because he was actually going, wait, there's already a deal here. You can't get in the way. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, there was this, uh, let's see, I think November 16th, this is an article from The Hill. Official testifies that Bolton had one-on-one -on -one meeting with Trump over Ukraine aid. The president was not ready to approve the release of the assistance, Morrison said, while he was discussing the Trump-Bolton conversation, which is described as a one-on-one -on -one meeting. The extent of my recollection is that Ambassador Bolton simply said he wasn't ready to do it. And he came out of the meeting and he was talking to him. Um, but the idea is that somewhere along the line, somebody said, release the money. And it wasn't Trump is the point. Um, Boy. Yeah. And so the idea that they got the money anyways uh, is actually more al uh, along those stories of uh, of Trump, of them basically ignoring him. Right. That, that there's a big there's a. You know, along with the story of like intelligence not wanting to share certain things with him because we've lost a couple of American and Israeli assets um, because of loose lips uh, from the Trump uh, from Trump on his Twitter feed and talking to Lavrov and Netanyahu. <clears throat> and in the in the course of of doing that, everybody was you know kind of withholding stuff or only giving him stuff he can handle or putting good news stories about in in piles so he you know if he feels better. Um, and there was this concern overall, I guess, um, that he was going to ask for something really egregious and horrifying and illegal. And a bunch of these folks didn't want to get sucked into this. And ultimately a bunch of them have just started blowing off what he said that the, um, the Trump tapes, which, uh, I don't know if you've heard them, um, but it's apparently, and this, uh, guys, I got to say, <laughs> Igor and Lev, these, the, the two stooges, and, and Rudy is kind of the shemp, I guess, in this circumstance. is kind of rotating one. Um, both of them are, uh, I personally feel, and this is just my own vibe from it, this feels like a setup. Um, I don't think that the material they put forward, the pictures, I don't think they're fake. I don't think the audio they have is fake, but it does seem like one of two things is happening either. And this is the, you know, the, the good version. They knew they were dealing people, dealing with people like Trump who would throw them under the bus at the first sign of trouble and that they were engaged in some sketchy stuff and they wanted evidence to protect themselves. So they were gathering stuff the entire time pictures with everybody at multiple locations smiling shots of like hey get a video of me touching trump's back while i introduce him to somebody so i'm not just a peripheral player so they don't coffee boy me like they did papadopoulos or carter page um and and get audio we're having this conversation make sure you record this you know you know, just to protect themselves. That's the good version of it. The bad version is, is that they are 
you know, Russian sock puppet spoilers like a bunch of these guys and are part of the chaos machine just to throw a monkey wrench in everything that they were. They play one side and then later on turned it over. And the entire goal is to upend our entire political system. Um, both are equally possible. Both are dangerous and grotesque. And the reality is, is that I find no reason to trust on face Lev or Igor in this circumstance. So the material they pre- they present, I know the names are just ridiculous. <laughs> Look, the, I don't trust Lev or Igor. <laughs> right. That's a sentence you'd say in 2020, you know, yeah. and I'm honest to God, we're about six months away from, um, well, if they, if they decide to try Ezekiel for Nebuchadnezzar's crimes, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, and then, and then people start using their online names for stuff. You know, the, the trial against Binky 169 is, you know, um, versus, uh, the Latvian King, uh, you know, it's going to be ridiculous. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that I don't trust these guys as far as I can throw them on a personal level. The material they're putting forward is reasonable to look at for its, you know, for its validation that they were present and that Trump is lying about his connection to them. And like I said, I think I think they legit had a connection to him. I think if I'm being generous, they're covering their butts that all the while and and I don't know anybody who would uh, who wouldn't have in the situation I mean if you're in the mafia or the triad you're not going to wear a wire all the time to protect yourself just because cuz you'll get killed but in a in a sketchy political deal where you're not really dealing with killers per se or that the killers are on your side in the, in the case of Russia um having backup having this this cache of documents and pictures and receipts so that if anybody tries to dump you, you have uh, what Rudy Giuliani would call an insurance policy. And that's precisely what's going on, I think. So, and again, that's me being generous about them. That's not if they just want to be, you know, throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. Um, (laughs) So um, the, the the new tape that just came out I'll see if I can pull up part of it um, <clears throat> is uh, it is Trump. And they, by the way, they have not denied it. They have uh, even Trump has said when, when he was asked about it, when Trump was asked about it, his response was I it, they were like, were you telling Lev Parnas to get rid of Marie Ivanovich? And he he goes, no, I would have been talking to Rudy or somebody else. And then the, his staff came back and said, no, he, he'd, he'd have been talking to the like the secretary, the uh, state liaison who would have been in charge of it, who was nearby at the meeting. So it, it's all, act, you know, um, everybody in, in that room was part of what was going on. You know, every, everybody like that was legit. They could have backed out. He could have said, um, no, I didn't. That wasn't me. That's not my voice. I don't know what you're talking about. That's cut together. It's edited. I wouldn't take audio from that guy. He's a crook. I, you know, he's just a hanger on. That's probably all sliced together um, like that. Uh, um, I love it when you call me Senorita video that, uh, that that Putin put out on on the Russian version of 60 Minutes a couple months ago. Um, yeah, we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the Al Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. 
And I think we probably got some callers at this point because it's a lot going on. Um, and so, and I'll, I'm going to call up. I'm going to call up that audio um, during the break. We'll be back. Yay. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I'm going to try and dig up that uh, the audio that they've been playing or whatever. Basically, it's Trump. The weirdest part of it is he says, um, get rid of her. And he says, take her out. Yeah. Which which in the context of the fact that she left, uh, the State Department was concerned for her safety. They told her to get to the, to a com- get on a commercial flight as soon as possible. I guess with this idea that she would be safer because they'd be less likely to blow up a plane full of innocent citizens um, if she went immediately. And then why all these... Why don't Trump supporters see that he's just mobbed up to the gills and he always has been? Because a bunch of them are mobbed up to the gills? I mean, that's okay. I mean, that's one logical yeah. conclusion I think that it's comfort you can comfortably make in this circumstance. Um, but, you know, on top of that, there's these uh, that piece of audio they had last week from Lev Parnas as well, where he, that, you know, some unknown Russian is going, you know, is following her basically recording like she's leaving the embassy now. She's they know when she's on her computer. They know when she's uh, at home. They know, uh, they know she's been bad. She's been bad yeah, I knew you were going there. I beat yeah, you to it. Um, that's right. So at, at, you know, at some point Trump says, um, you know, uh, get rid of her, get her out of there, take her out. Now, yeah. Now the upside, and again, I think this speaks to what I was talking about before the break, which was uh, they ignored him for a year the better part of a year, like I think it was nine months or something like 10 months um, before they actually took her out, got rid of her and all this stuff. But he was saying this recording apparently was taken earlier and people were just like, Oh yeah, sure. Mr. President, absolutely. Get right on that boss. No problem. And then just knew that in his, you know, Adderall and Diet Coke, the haze, he'd forget all about it in a matter of hours. And he of course did until he didn't again. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's <laughs> John Pelosi in our chair. I'm saying Sekolo calls the wambulance in Trump's defense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's take a caller, though. Who do we have first there, Devin? First, we have Justin out in Massachusetts. Excellent. Yes, it's actually Jonathan. How are you doing? Oh, hey, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, Jonathan. Yes, how are you? Do you mind if I sway off topic just very briefly? Um, I'm a 100% Bernie supporter. However, never was a Bernie or Buster 
always for supporting whomever the candidate is. In fact, I'm in two FB groups where the majority have stated that they will support whomever it is. And I just want to say okay. that in the, in the last week, there's been an onslaught of attack articles on Bernie. It's like every day I see Warren and Biden su- supporters posting these articles, you know, that he that he's the one attacking or that... Uh, but you know, for the record, that's happened to everyone as soon as they become the front runner. It exactly. happened to it's Biden right. when he first came out. It ha- I mean, literally, all of this stuff that's going on Right. has a lot to do, you know, with, with Trump's impeachment has to do with the fact that as soon as Biden came out, they started running stories against him and they seized on this right. as, as counter-programming. As soon as Warren pushed to the front, she was immediately pilloried as well. And and right. Sanders has taken the lead in the Iowa poll and, and the same thing is happening. Well, Everybody I'm else asking. is, you know, for the large part, it hasn't changed the vote in like blue no matter who's Sorry, crowd, but yeah. I'd like to ask Sorry, say again? the um, Biden and Warren supporters to please ignore it and maybe we can unite and fight voter suppression. You know, let's just ignore these, no matter whom it is, because it doesn't help. And, and the people that are Bernie busters, this is exactly the kind of thing that emboldens them. It just What's a help. Bernie buster? You it's know, a Bernie or nobody else. Oh, yeah, the Bernie or busters, feel, I see. They feel like the mainstream media is against them. They feel cheated, you know, after the DNC. But this is a minority. It's not the majority. The media, you know... Um, yeah, I, and I and I think the majority of people are blue, no matter who. For the most part, there's a, there are definitely you know vocal minorities in there, you know, pushing these kind of you know wedge issues about stuff. I don't think it's a huge issue in that regard. And I think in any um, situation where you have five legit candidates all running um, right up to the day, you know, because we previously most of the time it's been boiled down to two or three by this time. Um, and because of the wide field and because of everybody involved and because of why some people got out early and other people waited uh, and lasted longer, maybe st- overstayed their welcome on a technical level, um, there's, you know, there's just been a lot more muck around it. But, I, I, yeah, I think you're right to um, take well, everything with a grain of salt in that regard. Hillary calling him, you know, I'm not going to get into that, people. It's just disappointing, but but. I would say oh, part of that is that was from a, a documentary that they did about Hillary, I think, years ago. But the idea was they asked her, do you still feel that way? It's deceiving. Yeah, that new. Yes. Well, the new the new story was, do you still feel that way? Do you stand by what you said? Blah, blah, blah. And then they wait until Bernie yeah, gets the lead in Iowa to release that story. There's I mean, yeah. again, that's so that should come as no surprise to anybody as well. Yeah, I yeah. So what I would say is that this only helps Trump this infighting. So I'd like to just sure. send well, that out to the Warren Biden. Posting these articles, getting into this, is only going to help Trump. Please resist it. And also, I found... Well, the, the idea, idea, yeah. The min- well, I think the minute we have, the minute we have a, a, you know, certainly chipping away at the character where it's unnecessary with people, I think is against the the entire fight against Trump. And you're absolutely right in that. Um, and I would absolutely say that Regard all your criticisms uh, and contain the humanity of who you are talking about in your criticisms. And remember that for, there's there's a hair's breadth difference between each of these candidates for the most part. Yeah. Um, and it would be a better, you know, better to remind ourselves of that every time we do have a disagreement on policy ideas or what have you. So I appreciate the call. I do. Um, let me grab one more. The best organization for fighting voter suppression, would you say? Vote.org. What is it? I mean, 
Yeah, vote.org. Um, it, it, if you, yeah, if everybody bookmarks that and it, on an individual level, you're able to figure out if you're registered or not, if, if your registration is clean or not, if there's, you know, if they dump you off the rolls two weeks beforehand, it's a great place to go back and check. There's, there's smaller organizations and, but, and the DNC itself has a lot of, um, you know, it's got a lot of claws in this fight in terms of protecting the vote. Um, after what happened to Stacey Abrams, I would say, especially, um, you know, that they've been kind of keen about this ever since. And it's a good fight to have The you know, the Congressional Black Caucus is behind them in this regard, the, uh, you know, uh, across the board. I mean, it's the difference between the two parties. Um, the Republican Party is based on the idea of the country as a republic that effectively a senatorial control that mimics to some degree the land ownership rules of fiefdoms in, in England versus the democratic approach, which is one person, one vote. And this is the essential differences between the two parties in their essence. The irony um, that, uh, that the Republican party is kind of pretended to be this libertarian um, individualist party when in reality, they're talking about, you know, their pro electoral college more than individual vote. And it's no surprise that they will lose the popular vote and gain the Electoral College as a, uh, as a primary strategy because that's how they think the country should be run. Um, so vote.org should be on everybody's uh, list and you should pass it on to everybody you know so that people can go and check their registration, make sure they are, if they're not registered, get registered, figure out where they have to go, all those details. So there you go. Um, appreciate it. I want to see if we can squeeze in another call before we get to this quarter break, depending. Thanks. We got Alexa out in the chat room. Cool. Oh, hey, Alexa. Thanks no, for coming on. For oh, it's EO. Hey, Electric Outcast. Good to see you. Um, okay. Yeah, go ahead. We only got a couple minutes, though, so get me in there. Yeah, go for it. For EO. Well, I want to, well, yeah, Alan, basically, I wanted to ask your opinion. So I haven't been teaching, keeping up with the opening arguments with this impeachment trial because, as you know, I'm a Lyft driver and an Uber driver, and sometimes my sure. lifestyle is 24-7 on the road, basically the lifestyle yeah. of a truck driver. So, I had, so my question is, am I basically being a bad American by not keeping up with any of this? Because as soon as I get done, I'm too tired to keep up with politics. That's what they're counting on, buddy. I. It- yeah, no, no, you're not being a bad American. You're like, you'll, you, you're, you're completely, um, that is your absolute right as a human being. And this is kind of one of my biggest arguments why I don't want Trump in the White House beyond his criminality and his uh, sleazy character and his lack of morals and his uh, sort of uh, traveling preacher attitude towards the Bible um, and uh, his scam artist uh, (laughs) Rico tendencies is the very fact that I would like our next president, whomever they are, to basically operate in the background and help the country remain functional, stable, and growing without having to hear about them all the goddamn time. Like this is, it's having, yeah, he, this, the, there is no point in a, in a, in a liberal democracy like ours that we should have to eat up any more than a reasonable amount of our citizenry exercise dealing with our elected officials like this this you know there is no reason why this should be part of your daily cleanup as a human being in the country 
the the fact is this has become a form of entertainment within the you know within the beltway um you know and and i really think like we will get to a point where we'll hear about our next president about as much as we heard about clinton or reagan it'll be a regular fixture in our homes but this kind of live tweeting you know, constant, like, what's he doing? What's the, what did the president throw out as far as red meat to his followers in the form of a gibberish, childish tweet today? That's got to go. And, and it's not anybody's fault. Yeah. Darn tootin' in our chat room says it's called Trump fatigue and it's completely reasonable. The other thing that will keep you from, you know, having to worry about the arguments about any of this stuff is get to know the basic facts rest on those facts. And if it ever comes time for you to make a decision based on those facts, um, have them at your, you know, at your beck and call and, and apply them to your decision-making meaning voting, or if, if somebody calls you for a poll, um, the rest of the time, pay attention to it, be informed, but don't let it eat you alive. That's why we try to, you know, we try to make it a little more charming around here. We try to, you know, make the yeah. the show a little, make thing, this stuff a little more palatable and digestible and kind of uh, like a cliff notes for the week in some ways, because people don't have that hey, t- kind of time. Can I interrupt you for a second? If I can interrupt you sure. for a second, that's the primary reason why you're the only progressive talk show that I even listen to anymore. Because every time oh, thanks, man. basically a negative nasty, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a lot to deal with, and especially the people who are on five days a week, and it's their—it's the only thing they do. You know, it's—it's going to draft your opinion and your um, feelings about these issues. It's going to, you know, it's going to narrow focus you. I think a little bit. I think the best thing about doing a once a week show is that there's some time between these things where you can take the stuff in, digest it a little bit, see what's meaningful and what isn't, deal with it. And obviously, we get dumped news on our desk occasionally but for the most part there's a a i have that ability to go you know six days where i'm watching the news unfold considering it just like everybody else is and and getting some distance from it before i actually take it if anything it reminds me of kind of like the old days when we just had six o'clock news there was an upside to that in that you could stew on it and not just you know treat everything like a slow speed car chase and and that's the value. We got to take a break. I appreciate you calling in, EO, and I, and you are not a bad American, my friend. Um, fear not. We will be back right after this. It's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide, Chicago. We're coming your way. I'm just saying, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now let's get back with House Park's Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. So um, obviously, uh, there's been a bunch of other news that goes on while all this happening. My, I think my favorite side note has been um, Mike Pompeo flipping out in an NPR reporter for, oh, clutch the pearls, um, asking him questions about Ukraine in an interview where her, report, her uh, producer told him she was going to ask him questions about Ukraine. Apparently took her aside after a 10 minute interview and yelled at her for an equal amount of time, Um, brought in a map with no writing on it and said, point to Ukraine and on this map. Can you find it on this map without any writing? She did. Yeah, she did. Of course she did because she's an intelligent, capable person doing her job. And he just 
took the map away and gave it to his assistant and they just left. Um, but apparently he has no surprise. Uh, he cursed at her, dropped a bunch of F-bombs, uh, made her point to the Ukraine on an unmarked map, and she did. Um, apparently this is something he does uh, singularly with lady reporters. Of course. What a why shock. Why a map like that anyway? Yeah, why, why does the State Department need a map with no writing on it? Unless it's Would one of those like... get my resentment map from my car? <laughs> my resentment map? <laughs> The, uh, it's like the uh, he needs those um, those maps that have um, that you can squeegee out um, right, what's yeah. on them, like uh, like the map Lex Luthor had in the in the subway oh, yeah. tunnels in Superman. Um, the it, so Pompeii and and by the way, are the big Otisburg <laughs> Otis Otisburg? Well, Mister Luthor. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, we are old. We're very old. It's great. Um, so the <laughs> it's good. Um, I mean, this should come as no surprise that Pompeo feels this way towards uh, a reporter who dares ask him a question. There's a, there's a it's foldable and petty. <laughs> well, and he also, you know, Trump has basically shrunk the circle around him smaller and smaller, um, so that. The only people who are around him right now from a legal standpoint or in his administrative staff or his secretaries are people who are 100 um, percent on board, you know, are, are true believers. And which makes them largely a bunch of creeps. Um, now, speaking of creeps, um, before we get to the end of the break, I do want to bring up something. We're going to we'll talk more about the impeachment in the next uh, hour. We're going to talk about um, a, a little bit of um, uh, the coronavirus thing. I want to remind everybody, wash your hands, especially after you shake hands. And if you shake hands with somebody, don't touch your eyes right after you do it. Hey, what was it's, that awesome joke? <laughs> uh, uh, the, no, um, <laughs> but the. Uh, it, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit uh, over the break, but I do want to say that Trump was the first president, uh, U.S. president, to speak at the Right uh, to Life march, um, and the focus it on creepy at all. No, the focus um, that was, I think, re- the response to it was a lot of people going, "A what a what a hypocrite." Who is he to say, um, by the way, he spoke on the same day that the story came out that um, the the millionaire who, you know, paid one point four million dollars to that uh, other playmate uh, allegedly to have an abortion was paying on Trump's behalf. Um, That came out the same day he was at the right to life thing. So either he made a last minute decision to make a, you know, an appearance there or somebody's holding stories doing, you know, a kill on stories and holding them until such time as he can get out ahead of them. But let me be abundantly clear about something with this, uh, you know, the, the right to life march. And, and on the one hand, he is definitely trying to gin up support with the uh, evangelicals. And if you listen to the roars from that crowd, it works. And what I want to um, remind everyone is Remember who you are talking to 
and about when you discuss things. We have a tendency, I think, on the left, and the right does it themselves to, to some degree, I'm sure, although I'm not privy to it as a, on a human level. But we, if you spend all your time preaching to the choir, your reasoning only fits the choir. And it makes you ineffective in dealing with a threat or dealing with uh, hypocrisy right in front of you in a way that will actually affect anybody but a bunch of people just like you going, oh, yeah, look at this. I agree. Um, it, it doesn't help. And Trump's angle in this and the only way I think you can even address this with anybody who might start to believe him at all is that he takes on um, the the road preacher attitude, which is roll through town, preach the gospel, sleep with the widows and leave and tell stories of how you used to be a sinner. And I used to the wine and the women and the carouse and and you tell these titillating stories to the crowd. And now you and then you tell them how you found Jesus in your own way. And it works. It's worked forever. It's a it's a it, it is so functional as to be a cliche and he takes advantage of that fact. Every time we go, what a hypocrite, they go, that's a conversion. And it's super important to, uh, to recognize that, okay? Um, so recognize that when you're talking about him in these situations and things like the right to life or whatever, don't get baited into the conversation they want you to have. Find a way to shape the conversation in a way that will, the ears that you are addressing will hear it. Um, and otherwise you're just talking to yourself. And obviously we have our own little kind of community in here. We occasionally have, uh, you know, people who disagree and are disagreeable and there's a difference between the two. Um, but the essence of it is, Fit your argument for the ears, you know, the lock in the ears you're trying to pick. And that's, you know, that's the issue I have um, with, with how people respond to stuff. And I would say when you're on Twitter and those kind of things, and I've been as guilty of it as anybody else, check your response, your knee jerk, and see it. Would this, what, what I'm about to say, convince the people that I'm against? Or will it just get a back pat from somebody that already agrees with me? That's the important thing. So anyways, we'll be back right after this. It's the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. And of course, HalSparks.com is my website. You can send me an email from there through the contact page. And of course, you can contact me on Twitter or Johnny Million. He's at, at JMillion. I'm at Hal Sparks. We'll be back. You know, there's a, uh, a lot of things that uh, Trump has done uh, and while he's been in office. He's created the greatest turnaround in the history of the economy. 
He's made it go uh, exactly at the arc it was going when he entered an office. So on the rise, <laughs> the same basic slope. Uh, you can pretty much set up a little bicycle ramp on how it's been going since uh, since Obama saved us from 2008. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of standardizing. You know, all these things that are, you know, he's in in record time. Nobody's ever done anything like this before. It's been the greatest economy, what have you, ever since, blah, blah, blah. Um, one thing he can take credit for, I think, though, is uh, shaving 10 or 20 seconds off the doomsday clock. Yeah. Uh, I think you and I remember when it hit two minutes uh, last summer, somewhere along there. Yeah. No. Uh, after the Iran deal started to collapse and it was getting, you know, and you and I were making all of our Iron Maiden two references. Minutes to midnight. Right. And uh, now it's 100 seconds to midnight. They... And I, and I have to say that I had a couple of issues with their unveiling. One was they had a big like cloth over the clock. They only had a quarter of the clock. They had nine to midnight. So there's really just no hope. You know, they're never going to, I'm just <laughs> guessing that even, the rest of the clock doesn't even exist. Yeah. Like, ah, no time. What's time. Um, and that you know this the idea that it is you know there it's it's relatively arbitrary based on some concerns but it's not promising when you're shaving 20 seconds off the do, anything called the doomsday clock when you got 100 seconds to midnight um that's a a serious <laughs> it's a, incredibly frightening and here's my issue and i i think uh, you know a bunch of you may follow me on this perhaps but don't we have enough problems without making our own? I mean, honestly, there is, uh, without pollution, mucking up the climate, without, uh, creating division between the races and the sexes over nonsense without, uh, I guess, um, my watch telling me to breathe all the time. Um, (laughs) without, you know, you're getting wound up. That's right. Yeah. Simmer. Um, without, Without all those things, things like the coronavirus are still going to come out of nowhere and kill a bunch of people. Life doesn't need any help from us being hard, being difficult, being dangerous. And all of our efforts um, should should endeavor to make this place better, safer, cleaner, um, healthier, more advanced as, you know, for us as a society and, uh, you know, both technologically, philosophically. Um, we don't need to arbitrarily pick nuclear fights that can't be won. And, and I feel like there's still, it's amazing to me that there's still people on this earth who are dumb enough to think that's a, a proposition. Like, do we, do we need to sit down, cuff them, Put those uh, um, and one or those um, those things they use to hold dudes' eyes open and um, what clockwork um, orange? Clockwork orange. Thank you. Yeah, and make Trump's entire generation watch war games and then just loop the end for them. You know, um, it. There are enough problems, not of our making to keep us busy 
till the end of time. And this idea that somehow we need, you know, that people need to roll into office and pick a fight every time they come in or prove they're tough or create, you know, um, you know, more problems than they solve in that regard is infuriating. Um, so yeah, hundred seconds. That was the big switch this week. Of course, you know, that news got eaten by, uh, I think, um, hashtag hot, hot girls for Bernie. Um, (laughs) And hashtag uh, Pompeo meltdown. So um, that's that's just a running thing that, you know, might be a pet peeve of mine. Um, But and I think it would be it would behoove the Democrats, all of them to run on that as a um, as a philosophy, as a as a political stance. That I think everybody could grasp, um, which is. Which, by the way, I think supersedes all the divisions that exist. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that would be a, a magnificent way to solve a bunch of this stuff um, and, and soften the fight um, between people. Is go, what we're running on is dealing with the, the issues we all have, we all share, or we're all going to experience and making sure that you don't have to worry about those things as best we can. And while we're great managers and, and, and trustworthy with resources and we, we know what FEMA is for and how to use it, for example, and we care about, yeah, we care about how it's uh, applied and and how it's funded and how it's taken care of and the CDC and the NIH and um, and and yes, our military. And you take an attitude towards these things like these are to deal with the inevitabilities of life, not to create. Um, optional pain. So that's 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 my little rant on that for the time being, because that 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 part just. I. I, I don't know why that isn't. You know how Trump was walking around going, "What if you have to lose to the the African American community?" That was his big thing. Um, there literally should be someone pushing back against Trump, going, "You know, don't we have enough problems without this idiot making more?" Like that's pretty much it. Like, don't you have enough problems in your life without this guy gunking it up? I like I, I like I think so many people would just come off the bleachers who aren't necessarily voters and go, yes. And it, like literally you could run on this is going to be my platform when I run. I want to run on a platform of vote for me and you'll never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> you'll just go I will stay out of the way. Yeah. Look how stuff works. And there's just there'll be fewer potholes in your life on many different levels. <laughs> and you'll go, how long has he been president now? God, it's been. We voted for him again. That was good. I like, yeah. Can we just keep him on? Um, <laughs> honestly, so that, that like, uh, you know, that aspect I think has a lot to it. So, <coughs> um, <laughs> and Billy in our chat room was not uh, buying the Trump's uh, what do you have to lose argument. By the way, people are tweeting pictures of uh, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor to us. <laughs> Yay. Pulling his wig off. Um <laughs> Uh, but so the 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 Trump defense over this next uh, week, by the way, 
um, is, and I, and I, I have to say, I was legitimately surprised. I thought, I thought today we were like, oh, this is going to be one of those shows where we kind of have to leave the audio up of it running, you know, kind of, you know, when, when everybody was getting booted on MSNBC this week and everybody was going, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you, if you didn't want to see the trial, you could always go to Fox. <laughs> um, but once the <laughs> Republicans were up there, I was like, oh, well, here we go. Each one of them gets 24 hours over three days to do their stuff. And man, Saturday, Sunday, everybody's at home, right? The Fox viewer is sitting there, you know, MSNBC had to deal with like most of the people are like EO where they had to, you know, drive and work and do whatever during the day. And they only got to see little pieces of it. And, but man, the minute, um, the, the Republicans get their chance, it's going to be Saturday and Sunday and they're just going to, it's going to be propaganda central. And what do you know? Three hours in and they're out. Till one morning. after one o'clock. Um, so the, um, I, I'm, I don't know quite, I mean, I don't know if they're going to circle the wagons and come back with some other stuff or if we're going to see a second impeachment charge put into the house and start a whole new cycle while that stuff's going on. Cause I, honest to God, I think that would work. You know, like it's not like he hasn't done other stuff since, <laughs> um, are, uh, I, like who's, who's that? Who's, uh, oh, er, all right. I'm not the only person making coronavirus, uh, jokes, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, yeah there. people are making, uh, and Billy Hutchinson is Trump blamed the coronavirus on Obama yet. Um, um, by the way, uh, do you know why the coronavirus is, uh, a, named that and why it's so deadly in that regard? I love this riddle. Go ahead and tell it. Not a riddle. It's true. I, there's no oh. punchlines. Damn it. Um, coronaviruses are circular and they have like little connectors around the side of it. So they look like the Corona of the sun. They look like the, the outer ring of the sun and they have that many connectors on them. Unlike some viruses that can only plug into a cell certain ways, they can kind of attach to nearly anything. So they're like a burr or a, a, you know, a thistle. Um, they can, Uh you know, doesn't matter where they touch, they can stick. And that's what makes them so uh, um, so difficult to treat and why they're so contagious. Um, uh, this one's particularly bad. There's a news um, about the, the Chinese are building a whole hospital just to deal with it in the area that they have. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, um, that they have uh, quarantined off. Um, we went through this with SARS before. There's a, a, you know, clearly an issue with um, how they handle it and how slow they are to deal with it um, out of, you know, the idea of saving face and looking prepared as a country. After the SARS epidemic, um, there was this idea that once if this kind of thing happened again, they would be quicker, uh, more prepared. Um, that hasn't been the case. Um, but uh you know, this is, oh man. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, Pompeo just released a statement, by the way, he's claiming that, um, the NPR reporter mistakenly identified Bangladesh as the Ukraine, um, hmm. which n- no one would do. No, 
I mean, <laughs> no one would do. I mean, like, you know, it's not, I, I wouldn't well, say that. Mission accomplished. He's deflected from her question. Yes. Well, that's the attempt. Um, the, and his, he wrote a response. His response was, uh, NPR reporter Mary Louise Kelly lied to me twice. First, last, last month in setting up our interview. And then again, yesterday in agreeing to have our post-interview conversation off the record. Oh, so it was true. <laughs> so your F bombs and freaking out and the Ukraine map thing, that was all true. Okay, fine. Um, it is shameful that this reporter chose to violate the basic rules of journalism and decency. But you, the interview was over, dude. You called her into a room and cussed her out. That's news. I got news for, okay. The, all right. The, I've always had a problem with this off the record nonsense. Yeah. And um, we got to take a break. But this, um, this concept somehow that, you know, and, and I'm, I get deep sourcing and I get off the record comments and stuff that people don't want to commit to saying on the air quite yet. There's all kinds of reasons for that. But I think from now going forward forever, anybody, just anybody within the sound of my voice, if you have an interview scheduled with someone and then after the interview, you go, okay, off the record and they go, okay. And then you proceed to call them epithets and swear at them and scream and try to embarrass them and fail. It's on the record now. Off the record is, look, I need to tell you something that, you know, is a detail this way or that, or I was uncomfortable. This is classified and people will know it's me. Right. But uh, the minute, for God, like the minute you start swearing at a reporter, it's on the record now. Okay? Forever. Just get used to that idea. Sorry. We got to take a break. It's the Housewatch Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yay! Well, the happy ending is is that, like, uh, there's been a lot of recently. We got full lines at the end of the show, um, so we'll try and get through everybody as best we can. Um, keep it high and tight if you can, and I'll um, try to keep the filibustering to a minimum. So, uh, who do we have first, Devin? First, we have Bill out in Seattle. Cool. Hey, Bill. Hi. Hey, how? Yeah, how go you ahead. Doing? I'm good. Hey, go yeah, ahead. I was calling about. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little more about this uh, Trump Parnas Giuliani tape. And mm-hmm. I have two questions about it. There are two points for me. Why is he talking to Parnas and Giuliani about removing an ambassador? Right. That seems like a well. The idea is, by the way, the idea is that he apparently there was the liaison from the State Department was also there. So the guy he was telling mm-hmm. to do this. Uh, was actually from state. The guy who said, get rid of her, just do it. But okay. to your point, he's apparently receiving counsel from Lev Parnas. Lev Parnas is the guy going, she's the one talking crap about you. She's the one yeah. saying you're going to be impeached. And that's the motivator for him telling the actual guy from state, get rid of her, take her out, which is really ominous and scary considering she was being spied on and followed. And he was saying yeah. things like she's going to go through some stuff. So yes, to your point, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's very threatening language, and strangely, yeah. it's the same language he used to describe what they did to Iranian Soleimani. Soleimani. Yeah, they totally. He, on January 9th, in an interview or a press conference, he was saying, we took him out. 
Mm-hmm. It's yes, very threatening language. Our president just needs to be more careful about the way he talks. He has a lot of power. That's true. Well, also, yeah, I think you. there's a habitual tough guy language that he's enjoying when he's in there. And I think he also, you know, he's a bit flippant in how he uses it. Because he obviously, if you look at how he's tweeted out some orders or tweeted out changes in policy and the DOD had to walk it back and stuff, he does not understand the weight of his words. And uh, sometimes so I don't always immediately panic that when he says take her out in that regard, that he means the thing, the same thing, because he could just be trying to, you know, have one of those uh, locker room talk conversations that he allegedly likes to have, making himself look tough in front of the bros, which, you know, from his psychological state and his kind of generalized low self-esteem and his inadequacies, uh, that's how he's obviously bound to talk. So, yeah. And then the other point you had. Is it there? Did we lose him? Taking my call. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Absolutely. Uh, let's grab another caller real quick. We've got about six minutes left ish. But what do we got? Next, we got Chris out in Elmhurst. Cool. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, welcome. Uh, great show. Uh, Thank you, I brother. I want to ask your opinion real fast about your home state senator, Mitch McConnell, and his wife, Elaine mm-hmm. Chow. First you mean all, uh, Amy McGrath's come- future seat? Right. <laughs> yes. How come he is not getting more uh, grief for being conflicted since his wife is a member of the cabinet and is, um, you know, has a conflict of interest that way with the vote for impeachment? And number two, mm-hmm. how come she is not getting more grief for the whole Boeing 737 fiasco? She's the secretary of transportation. She should right. be, you know, out front getting this thing solved. It's costing billions of dollars. So that's my uh, question. So I'll, Yeah, I'll, I, I, there's two reasons. One. One is um, because the very people that would be giving uh, Mitch McConnell grief are as uh, gacked up in grift as he is, um, that a- a- along with his wife. Um, and I think on a personal level, um, everybody's – they need their people in position of power. They cannot give a single inch of ground. Um, one of the – you know, Mitch McConnell probably would have been drummed out of office in Kentucky a long time ago, but for the fact that he's – been in a senior leadership position and Kentucky with a, which is a very small state with a a very low population compared to even, you know, your modern regular big cities like Chicago or even Seattle, um, that they need all the power they can get. Kentucky needs all the power it can get. So having Mitch McConnell as speaker of the house gives them outsized control and power. That's, that's why people let it slide. It's I mean, and he's running interference for the Trump white house. They have got the wagon circled, um, and they're going to get those judges in place by hook or by crook. Whatever happens afterwards, that's the legacy that the Republicans want out of the Trump presidency. That's why he's not catching anything. But you're, you're absolutely right that on a journalistic level, and this is something I haven't addressed, obviously, and, and would, I would hope would find its way into the Washington Post at some point, or someone with actual journalistic dollars and the ability to interview the people involved. But the fact that that would, under any other presidency, that would be a major failure that the, you know, the Department of uh, Transportation has been so poorly run and its response to a major issue um, in, you know, when planes going down was, I don't know, you know, maybe they should make a better plane. Um, excellent point. We got, let's take a, another call real quick, see who we can get. Roosevelt. Hey, how are you? How? Thanks. Thanks for taking oh, good. my Good. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, during the impeachment in the House, 
Rand Paul, Lindsey Graham, and Trump kept on saying that uh, the president has a right to face his accuser or accusers, such as the whistleblower. Okay, but his <laughs> accuser was the House of Representatives. Right. And now, and now, how? Now, the number one witness that they want is Hunter Biden and the whistleblower. Where are the witnesses that cleared him of all accusations? Well, so, I mean, where's Mulvaney? Look, Mulvaney and Bolton were directly uh, present at the withholding of the funds and the release of the funds. Bolton's the only one who could testify, I think, that, you know, if he was the one that said, I'm making the call, tell OMB to release these funds today or we're in deep crap before he left. And the same thing is true about uh, Mulvaney. Those two guys know when the actual hold was, what the language was. All their documents would point to uh, any email conversations that they had. The president was obviously talking to Mulvaney um, person to person. His plot to withhold these funds from Ukraine using the Office of Management and Budget, part of that plot was having Mulvaney come over and become his chief of staff because he could flesh net the, his orders and keep them out of print. That's what's up. And those two guys were the witnesses. The whistleblower just is, you know, was a guy who saw the accident where you have the driver, you have the passengers, you have the, the security camera footage. They don't want you to have any of that. They want the guy who was standing on the corner who saw the accident and went, look, if I, if I turn these guys in, I'm in trouble. They're gonna kill me. We don't need him anymore. We have the security footage. The witnesses can speak. That's the issue. So I, I appreciate the call. We got this is the end of the show. We got to wrap it up. And today I'm uh, going to cut it a little bit short. We'll have a short uh, post show um, at infotainmentwars.com. Uh, come join us over there. Become a Patreon subscriber. Support the show. Love you, Johnny Million. You're awesome. Thanks Love so much, Devin. Thanks everybody. Thank you, trolls. We'll see you. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you soon. I'm going to go see Enough's Enough tomorrow night here in Jersey. And then I'm coming back to L.A. Uh, Nerd Halen is Tuesday at the Jam doing uh, DLR night. Um, We'll see you guys soon. 